one of the major problems with piracy in sport is the way sport is delivered per jurisdiction. Hi everyone, welcome to the Halftime Snacks podcast, the place where we snack about interesting topics in sport, business, technology, and everything in between. Let's get to it! On today's Halftime Snack, I'll be interviewing Clint Wojdynowski. Coming to the show all the way from Perth, Australia, Clint is the director of Bullpen. Bullpen is a media company that aims to spotlight the companies and people who are building the future of the sports industry. Clint has over 10 years of writing and editing experience, and he's here to talk with us about digital piracy in the sports industry. Clint, welcome to the show, man. Thank you, Ronan. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure. It's great to have you on the show today. And thank you so much for ha uh, taking the time to have a conversation. And I think a great place to start this conversation is by asking you about Bullpen. What is the purpose of it? Where are you trying to take Bullpen? What are you trying to achieve? Bullpen is a publisher of sports technology, sports startups, sports innovation. What I do is I interview people across all of those sectors of sport. I want to get into how they develop concepts, how they develop products, how they actually develop startups. Anyone that drives the sporting ecosystem, I have original interviews with them, all published, all text-based, but the idea is to really just get into people that are driving the sports ecosystem forward. I publish roughly four to six, four to eight interviews a month. The idea is I want to go the podcast route as well. So I want to have more frequent conversations with people across the industry. I'm definitely going to go the podcast route. I want to cover more ground and talk to more people across the industry. That's uh, fantastic. I'm really looking forward for all the surprises. You know, since you've been part of the media business for a while, I'm sure you, you have quite an understanding of how piracy and digital piracy works. I was doing some research and sports piracy is actually the second most accessed illegal content right behind TV shows worldwide. It's interesting to see how the music industry kind of figured out a way to shift the dynamic of how they work to re at least reduce, because I'm not going to say they absolutely controlled it, but I, I, I'd say that they reduced piracy. So wh where is the sports industry in terms of shaping its business dynamic towards reducing piracy? Music found new ways to monetize. So it lessens the impact of piracy. Music found ways to monetize through integration with other media, social media. There's even social media backed by the music industry as well, uh, streaming services, and also, and also the direct-to-consumer streaming services so people could take take music as an a la carte kind of deal. Sport hasn't found as many drivers of revenue. So it makes piracy such a, a prevalent problem. So, I mean, in short, sport hasn't found as many revenue sources to lessen the impact that piracy has. One of the major problems with piracy in sport is the way sport is delivered per jurisdiction. Rights are generally split up across, say, it could be Middle East, North Africa, Australia, 
uh, North America, rights are generally split up around the place. So your broadcasters, your linear broadcasters are the incumbents. The problem with piracy is that it can be difficult to access particular sports or particular leagues in particular jurisdictions. So it's as simple as someone picking up a wagering stream and moving it across jurisdiction. The problem with piracy is how it is, is a cross-jurisdiction problem. Yeah, I remember, I remember reading a case about a website somewhere in Europe that they closed. And then the next day, the website was already replicated in around 25 websites, different websites. So it's a very, it's, a, it's almost like an enemy that you can't really see. Yeah. And that makes it very, very difficult to control. And actually, sports broadcasting rights are big business. Sky yeah. Sports, PT Sports, and Amazon paid over 9 billion British pounds to the Premier League for broadcasting rights for three years. I mean, what are some of like the key issues regarding intellectual property, publish publicity, clearance of rights, licensing, surrounding sports figures and events? Who's the one being harmed by piracy? Oh, I think it's it's you could actually go up and down the whole chain. The whole the the it's actually the whole chain is suffers uh, material loss. It is the rights holder, the broadcaster, the club, the player. It is, there is a particular material loss up and down, up and down the, the entire chain. I mean, rights holders pay for exclusivity. Piracy means they, don't, they actually lose a particular exclusivity, which is always implied when you enter into a contract. Players miss out because they're not able to... Well, they don't, it's never direct piracy they lose out on, but they usually lose out on the chance to exploit their own their own imaging or their own data and statistics. But I always find that you, the lack of exclusivity is one of the biggest issues with piracy and the jurisdiction exclusivity as well. I agree completely. And it was interesting because I actually found a survey that yeah. uh, studied the most popular reasons for why fans would see sports from an unofficial stream. And the number one reason was because a friend does it. And so I just watch with them. The second reason was because the quality is good and, you know, and it's free. And the, the third reason was because TV packages are too expensive. The one reason I would add, sometimes I feel like there is no place you can find the game other than in a pirated source, which, which makes it very annoying as a fan. And so one of the things that fans are concerned about is that they want to have an insurance that they can watch the game. But what, what kind of insurance can right holders get if, like to protect their trademarks if we as fans, we can't get an insurance that we're going to be able to watch the game anywhere we, we'd want to? Well, I fail to see it. What becomes a problem is that does the broadcaster does the owners go back on the rights holder for failing to protect, for failing to protect or distribute the rights? Uh, there have been issues bubbling up in, in Europe and the United States, but it all centers, I think one of the, I mean, it all centers on our favorite, favorite pirates from the Middle East that have, and the reason why I fail to see it is that I, it all comes back to one of my f most interesting stories and the, f com the complete wholesale piracy of being sports by BRQ in Saudi Arabia. So being sports, their only way of responding 
to the wholesale piracy of their channel and all of the rights that they pay for is to just not renew the rights in the region. So, that, so they put, they've put the onus back on the rights holder to protect their, to protect their trademarks in, within, the, within the jurisdiction. I fail to see how I actually don't know where to turn on where can anyone actually claim damages or insurance on this. You mean that, let's say, you're not getting the return you expected from a specific area by putting the, maybe the, the games there, maybe by piracy or something else. But, and then you take it out. And so fans are like, why would you even want us to pay if you, if you don't even want to provide? So it's, it's like a wheel of like a snowball. Yep. Where does the onus lie? Who is protected? Because rights are usually distributed in good faith and broadcast in good faith and consumers consume in good faith as long as they pay. But if there's an outside theft, so you've got rights holder, broadcaster, consumer, and it's all done in good faith and it's assumed it's done in good faith along up and down the line. And if there is a pirated leakage, we'll call it, out from that chain, usually between, usually in between the rights holder and consumer, who is in the wrong? Because technically, if everything is done in good faith, no one has done anything wrong. It is all done in, as it is, done in good faith. So where does he, who should be getting insurance and who should be paying, who should be paying for that? It's a really, it's, a, it's something that I can only ask the question. I just don't know where it is. That's why I always bring up the BRQ example where the Saudi Arabian broadcaster wholesale lifted up, lifted up the rights and lifted up being sports channels effectively and resold it. And no one, did any, no one could do anything about it. Everyone just went, what do we do? The rights holders stand right in between the consumer and the product. And so basically both the consumer and the product expect some insurance, but there's no one to provide it because in the middle of the way between product, broadcaster and consumer, someone takes it away. So it, it's, it's complicated. It's very complicated, right? Everyone has entered into contracts under good faith. It's a really tricky thing. What, what that might result in is then it doesn't become assumed is there a lack of exclusivity in jurisdictions due to piracy. So does that reduce the, does that reduce the value of rights knowing that there is no assumed exclusivity? So a reduction of rights then puts the onus back on the rights holder to protect the rights in coming into to a broadcaster or to uh, a streaming service. So yeah, that appears to be the, the tension. It sounds also like they are the responsibles. They are the, the ones to blame. Blame is hard, but it's who provides protection to who. Tricky thing. And I think it's something, it's actually something we are grappling with now. So it's more, I think this is a question to keep looking at as time, as we go on as well, especially as we fragment our rights as well. That's super interesting. You know what I'm thinking about? I, yep. It looks like search engines, and I'm going to be very explicit, Google yep. is not yes. doing, is doing absolutely nothing to fight yep. piracy. You can just Google Barca Madrid free stream. You're going to have 10,000 pages that are pirated. You're going to be able to click it and watch with no quality lost. So 
in my opinion, with the recent introduction of AI and machine learning and everything yeah. that Google bra brags about, I think they should try at least to exclude part content sites from the result to make them less accessible. I mean, in your opinion, how is technology going to help in the future the rights holders to prevent piracy practices? What, what can we expect from that in the future? Are they going to protect it? Are they not? Is it something that interests them? Maybe it's going to be a business for them. What do you think? The access to directly find, that's actually a problem that we're solving now. The access to find pirated streams is being, has been resolved. I know that, I mean, as we know that Reddit pretty much canned all the subreddits that were about finding pirated streams, you know, so, um, Reddit, you know, the Reddit soccer stream thread and stuff like that. Making it, making it hard to find in a search engine or making it actually, making it vanish from a search engine could be one. But is there something, and this is going to be an interesting technical question. So, so if there is a really interesting technical person out there, that can actually chime in. I wonder if there is a particular type of machine learning technology that can scan broadcasts, can it scan broadcasts within a jurisdiction? I don't know if that's actually been developed yet. I hope so. Where you, where broadcasts outside of a particular jurisdiction are using AI to scan broadcasts to be able to, to it's got to be to be able to delineate to delineate that a broadcast has left a jurisdiction. I, there's got to be a particular type of technology that goes that can actually go over the top of the broadcast itself. That's what I wonder. Making it difficult to find is one thing from the consumer end, but in the the IP delivery in the IP delivery the broadcast delivery end, there's got to be a way of stopping the flow from there. That's very very interesting. I think changing the business dynamic is yep. one point one point for uh, rights holders. I think the second point is maybe in technology. And the third point, I would say it's on education. If we as sports fans talk or friends who are also sports fans through, uh, you know, a consciousness process of being like, don't watch it on a stream, you know, because X, Y, Z, and it's basically like stealing, but, you know, so society doesn't really see it like that. I think education is, is the, th the third and final component, which would, might help end digital piracy. But my last question for you, Clint, is I want to know your opinion, given those three things maybe you want to add, but how do you see how, what, what will change or how will the sports right, rights business would look like in, let's say, 15 years? It's, you've got to think, it's, is it going to be a... a defragmentation, a deconstruction of exclusive and non-exclusive rights. So it's to counteract piracy is to, is to be able to deliver content across platforms, either giving a, a, a combination of free highlight, free, free matches, free full content, highlights, uh, non-exclusive content. Is it going to be a case of defragmenting everything across exclusive and non-exclusive broadcasters? But then that's something that is probably occurring now. So is there new methods and ways to encourage legitimate use? So it could be a case of developing, de developing broadcasts that, are, that rely on more user interaction, volumetric video, VR, AR, gambling, data, analytics, 
is it going to be a case of developing broadcasts that involve a lot more a lot more involvement or in delivery to the end consumer so a lot of this stuff only exists in the legitimate broadcast or the official and exclusive or the the official broadcast realm so is it going to be a case of integrating new types of methods to watching broadcasts is a way of, of counteracting piracy. It could even be a case of rebundling or cross-sport bundling of rights and being able for pe- being able allowing consumers to be able to pick and choose things as a, like an a la, a la carte menu. So it's going to be a, a way of where we had one linear thing is probably going to be dozens of, of delineated ways of delineated ways that sports rights might look in the next 10 years. That's super interesting. And I mean, who's going to be that? Maybe it's not about what will happen with the rights business, but it's who's going to be end up paying for the end product. Maybe it's not going to be the consumer, as you said, but maybe it's going to be the extra additional components that they add in between the, the, the consumer and the product so that they pay for it and at the end of the day we we're all happy it's maybe it's a, yeah there is a there is another platform or service or hardware or software that we subscribe to to make sports or sports content or sports rights more personalized more or legitimate or more experience driven it is going to come to selling the experience or the fan engagement itself you can only get the best fan experience and engagement or it could be it could be something like I said in VR or volumetric video where you can only get this experience by paying this and having this through the legitimate or through the exclusive broadcast. So it's going to be, it's going to be the best fan deliverable, but it's going to be a delivery of rights, which take, doesn't take into account the frag, the potential fragmenting or even more fragmenting or even a rebundling. We're in a state of flux where are we, do we need a rebundle? Is it too many Uh, is there too much unbundling which means you know do you do we have to pay for major league baseball and the nba and for the english premier league and all these other bloody brilliant leagues and uh, around the world but is it actually too much trying to deal with each one of them and maybe do you have to rebundle it maybe that maybe it is a a platform that you know we pick and choose from there uh, it's, but then again, one of the major things that sports rights holders have is they're an exclusive, they're their own exclusive media content channel themselves. So I think it does come to delivery, uh, fan experience, fan experience delivery is going to be, it's going to alter it. That's going to be something. And that will play a role in, in how rights uh, change in years to come. I love that, Clint. That's a lot of food, of food for thought. You know, yeah, I'm going to be questions. thinking about more questions are popping <laughs> in my mind, but I think. That's the art of, uh, of the show. I think this is a great place to, to end our conversation. I want to really thank you for sharing and coming to the Halftime Snacks to have a conversation. I really thank was very so. happy to, to host you. I'm looking forward to having you on the show again. I will definitely come back. Thank you for having me on. It was an absolute pleasure. Before you leave, I want to thank you for listening. To hear this or any other halftime snack, check out the full archive on my website, which you can find on the show notes. See you next week!